It is the seventh week of 2020. I'm Father Roderick, and you're a patron. Hello and welcome to another episode of my weekly show recorded specifically for you as a supporter of my work. Whether it is through patron or through other means, I'm really appreciative of your help. And together, I think we're going to do great things. Join me, and together we will rule the media. <laughs> or something to that extent. Hey, uh, lots of things to share with you. Um, first thing I'm going to share with you, because this is a bit of a more personal uh, type of show than I do uh, online, is uh, how incredibly tired I am. <laughs> Really, my head feels as if I'm Pinocchio and I'm made of wood. And most of that has to do with me working long hours yesterday. I was um, putting together the Australia story, the second part of the Australia story. And uh, I had a good feeling about it. It's fun material. I'm surprised. This was filmed in 2013. And back then I was still using that uh, Sony uh, camera which was, I think, for that time and for for the price that I paid for it, amazingly good. A lot of the, at least the visual aspect of it, holds holds up very, very well many years later. Also helps, of course, that it was gorgeous weather in Australia and also partially in, uh, in New Zealand. So lots of light is always great for when you're filming. So the colors are very vibrant. It's Sony, of course, so it also has very good colors. What is not so good is the sound. Sound is very thin. I was not using, I didn't even have a wireless lapel microphone. So uh, all the audio that I recorded while I was there was uh, uh, recorded with the built-in microphone, which is okay. But at the same time, it needs a lot of post-processing to make it uh, uh, quality-wise uh, fit for, for TV. Fortunately, that's something that I don't have to do. Uh, that's uh, included in the, in the post-production process that takes place after I've delivered the episode. Um, what was um, more challenging was to tell a good story. And because there's going to be a part three based on mm, the New Zealand material, I needed something of a bridge to the third episode. The first two is Australian material. And I was in Australia for uh, the first... Uh, what was it again? The, the first oceanic CNMC. <laughs> so Catholic New Media Conference. Um, and uh, so th- I had meetings with a lot of uh, church groups and, and different uh, um, Catholic uh, organizations. So the Australian material had a lot of Catholic content that I could, with a little bit of effort, could integrate in these two episodes. The New Zealand episode, however, I went to New Zealand just for fun because I wanted to go to Queenstown and to some of the Harry Potter, Harry Potter, some of the Lord of the Rings locations. I wanted to visit Wellington. So everything that I did on the northern and the southern island is themed around the Lord of the Rings and Tolkien. And I never really planned on making this uh, suitable for 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 my Catholic uh, TV show. So I was thinking, and that's that's probably why I'm so tired. Um, is a bit. It's always a bit of a puzzle in order to. What I, what I can do is to insert religious content in that third episode. That would feel very artificial. What it does contain is, of course, 
the the overarching theme of storytelling and the importance of storytelling and how much a story can inspire us and blah blah blah. Uh, but then I was like, if I'm going to really focus on the on the depths of Tolkien's storytelling and maybe also add some of the my Catholic thoughts about uh, about what he tried to do with his stories. I need to set it up in the previous episode so that it feels as if it was the plan all along to end with Tolkien. And uh, and at first, I just couldn't find a way to do that. I had limited material. I, I had some some interviews about uh, Cradio, which is an Australian Catholic radio station. I did have a few interviews that I filmed in Melbourne um, during that Catholic New Media conference. And I had a very, very short clip or a few clips that I filmed in the Blue Mountains, which is a nature reserve to the west of Sydney. And I visited that with uh, Adrian Middledorp. We didn't talk about religion at all. But there was just one throwaway phrase that he uttered while we were looking at the landscape. Um, Over there you have a... Uh, a, a, let's say a viewpoint where you see what is called the Three Sisters. Uh, it's a, a rock formation, mostly eroded mountain. And so you've got these three stone pillars that are standing there in the middle of the of this eucalyptus forest. And they're called the Three Sisters. And he said, well, this, this place also has a spiritual meaning to the Aboriginal people that lived here. Uh, and that, But that was all. And for the rest, I've just we talked about trees and koalas and, and so nothing really religious. But then all of a sudden it hit me. Like maybe I'm I can research the story, the mythological story behind the these three sisters. So it turns out that is a story from what they call the dream time. Uh, it is a mythological time period during which according to the Aboriginal traditions, the earth was formed. It wasn't wasn't really created, but uh, order was brought to the chaos, and that was done by these huge mythological beings, uh, like a, a rainbow snake, a massive rainbow snake, and everywhere he went, he left uh, mountains and rivers. So that's basically the trail of the snake. And the idea was uh, that the landscape is always much bigger than the humans that live in it. Um, and so there was a great emphasis in a lot of those mythological stories on the the respect that you need to have for the for nature for for creation that that surrounds you and the moment you don't have that respect and you start to to uh, use up the resources or destroy nature then it will turn against uh, man and i was like oh interesting 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 i see a lot of commonalities with uh, the current message of the catholic church when it comes to you know taking care of creation um also, the certain humility that we can't exploit creation for our own, you know, selfish needs, but that we need to share it with the poor and with the generations that will follow us, etc., etc. Like, my brain was all of a sudden like fizzling and like, how can I insert that? And and then I ended up basically telling the story of the three sisters. Um, I found some um, some images online. Of a, of the story of creation, the the this this Aboriginal story of the of the rainbow snake. So I was able to do a voiceover that uh, that told that story, and then 
uh, I, I added a, a reflection in voiceover that I can see the similarities between what these mythological stories are trying to convey as a message and the way in which the Catholic Church is currently talking about creation and about what attitude we should have towards nature, etc. And, and so I tried to stress that in, in that voiceover. And then later on, much, much later, when I was in Melbourne at the CNMC, um, I interviewed a few people that emphasized the importance of uh, storytelling. And uh, especially uh, one interviewee, Catherine Smybert, uh, who I knew from her time that she worked at, at Vatican Radio, so I, I totally forgot that I interviewed her during the CNMC. And she says, well, we need to speak, of course, different languages as a church. We need to be very polyglot in the sense that you know, one target audience will speak this language and some other people will speak that language. As a church, we need to be able to speak at all those different levels to all those different groups in their own language. And the our common language is the language of storytelling. We have these wonderful stories to tell. Um, sometimes they're centuries old, but they're still pertinent. And we need to bring those to the forefront in what we do in our communication. So it was a... Uh, it was basically um, how would you say that in English um, a well anyway it was it was um, emphasizing the need for stories instead of just ideas or or opinions and I think that's true I think stories last opinions come and go uh, and and then I was like mm, I have a second link with storytelling and then what I did in the end was to bring that together in the conclusion where I hinted at you know next week I'm going to go to a land that has been the inspiration for you know great modern storytelling uh, tellers like the people that made the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit movies and another thing that struck me about and that's something I'm going to also uh, integrate in the uh, in the New Zealand episode, is uh, the stories that were told by these different Aboriginal tribes um, also had the power to connect the the immensity of 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 the land of Australia because it doesn't didn't really matter where you went. Um, these stories were were literally connecting people over long distances. So the river that would flow in one part of Australia would still be visible in, in you know, in, I don't know, tens of thousands of kilometers further down the road. Uh, and uh, But it would still be formed by that same snake, that same, same rainbow snake. So these mythological uh, creatures um, uh, pop up in, in, in many, among di many different tribes. And, of course, they have all got their variations, but the idea is that stories can also connect people over long distances and, and bring unity to uh, the landscape. Because everywhere you look, you see traces of that, you know, deeper story. I'm thinking, hmm, I can use that as well. Because uh, as Christians, we also look at creation as uh, carrying the imprint of, of its creator. Um, a, a landscape can inspire you, can hint at something that that transcends the transcends nature itself, um, and in many ways, Tolkien also um, 
tells a story that has a very strong ecological dimension. Think of Saruman and how he's destroying the resources of Middle-earth to create his armies. Um, and how much the landscape itself is inf impacted by, by evil. Uh, the, the more you get closer to Mordor, the, the less vegetation there is. And the, the darker it becomes and more, the more destructive nature becomes. And so that is something I think I can use when I'm telling the last story in New Zealand by saying kind of taking Tolkien's story as an example of how storytelling can make you maybe understand um, creation better uh, when you keep in mind that there is this underlying story um, of the creator, the story that he tells by, by creating that also gives us pointers as to how to treat this, this, this nature, this creation that surrounds us. Something like that. It's still vague, but I, I know that I, I'm on to something. And, and if I give it a few more days, and I fortunately have still a few more days to put this episode together, um, I'm pretty sure that I can turn that into a coherent story. The downside of this creative process is that it, it doesn't, I, I'm unable to turn it off. Uh, so for the past week, I've been thinking day and night uh, about how to tell this story, how to turn this documentary into a coherent story. And, uh, and that even prevents me from sleeping from time to time, especially if the, date, the deadline approaches. So it's, it's a fascinating process because sometimes the story tells itself. I was really surprised yesterday evening when I wrapped things up. There was this one segment that I didn't know what to do with. It was visually very interesting. Uh, it was a trip that I made with Gavin Abrams and uh, Ryan Eggenberger along the Great Ocean Road, which is a road south of Melbourne um, that uh, tracks the coastline and ends up at what they call the Twelve Apostles, which are, uh, again, eroded parts of the landscape that stand upright in the ocean, so these long stone pillars, and they're called the Twelve Apostles. There aren't, aren't even 12 of those stone pillars, but anyway, people associated it with apostles. And, um, and it's just visually very beautiful stuff. So at first I wanted to put that in the middle of the episode just to give people some time. I just told the story of Catholic Radio in Sydney, thinking, well, maybe I should do something just go on a tour, do something that's just visually entertaining, put some music underneath it. But then I couldn't really figure out a good way to integrate that with the rest of the Melbourne story because I'm thinking if I take the viewers with me to Melbourne, the first thing you want to know is where am I? And I also had filmed a tour of Melbourne. But that was also just like Sydney. It was you know taking place in a city. So I just didn't know what to do with that uh, Great Ocean Road material. And then I decided, well, it just, it makes, story-wise, it makes the most sense to start with a tour of Melbourne. So that's what I did. And then it flowed into, you know, the story of the CNMC, which I, I kept very brief because that's actually very, I don't know, just a lot of people talking about Catholic new media. And that's not necessarily the most interesting thing to, to watch on TV when you have, when you are not involved in, in Catholic media yourself. So I keep that very short. And, but then, towards the end, 
I was like, I, all of a sudden it came together. I was like, I'm going to, to tell the story in such a way that the last day of my stay in, in Australia, we went to go see those 12 apostles. And then there's something in the story of the 12 apostles that I can link to the rest of the content in, in a way that uh, the, because the sea keeps eroding the coastline, it happens from time to time that apostles disappear, that they will just plunge into the sea. But the sea also continues to erode the, the coastline, and so it is very well possible that new apostles will emerge over time because that's how the initial apostles were formed. And so I was like, well, that is a beautiful metaphor of what I've experienced in Sydney and in Melbourne because I've, I've encountered these new apostles that are... <laughs> standing strong in the sea and the turmoil of today's world, proclaiming the gospel with energy and <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And it was like so funny that... And, and so in the end, I only used three minutes, I think, of that entire tour to the 12 apostles. Um, and, and I had to discard a lot of the visual material just because narratively I didn't need it. And it still ends in beauty. And I've learned from my teachers in Rome that... You always have to end on the when you're at the top. You know, if you're climbing a mountain and you're filming that, you end the episode or the documentary or whatever when you're on the top because going down is not interesting anymore. You want to end when you're at the height of, of, uh, of the story. And that keeps people wanting more. And so uh, it's so funny that I didn't plan to edit it like this, but it, it's just the story just told itself and I'm just there doing the work. But at the same time, I'm witnessing uh, a story that I don't know where it comes from. And I have that very often also when I'm preaching where I start a homily and I have no idea where, where, where the story will take me. And then towards the end, it always comes together. And it's so interesting. It's a... It's like improvisation on uh, on the piano or with a musical instrument. You start playing, but you don't know what you're going to do or where the music will take you. And it's one of those experiences where I think you feel that there is something trans transcendent or transcendental about about creativity. It is something that is that you only partially control. And sometimes if you let go of control, that's where the real, the good stories or the good music forms itself because it is not just your work. It comes from beyond your grasp. There's something, I think, something that touches upon God's creativity that is at work as, as, uh, when, when, you, when you create room for creativity. Does that make any sense? I don't know. But it's also very intense uh, uh, work and I'm a little bit frustrated because I'm spending so, again, I'm spending so much time on my TV work that I don't even have time to clean my house. I make time to record this podcast. It's, you know, I've been working on Wednesday. Normally on Wednesdays, I stay home and I clean my house and I do, I, I read books and try to do something else but working. And then, so, to find balance, I should have taken today off but I didn't want to because I felt that I wanted to also keep recording the podcast and make sure I'm delivering what you all expect me to do. But uh, I'm a little bit frustrated that I still haven't found the balance necessary to do what I want to do and what I need to do, but to do it and at the same time 
stay healthy and balanced. I guess it's it's probably something that I will never fully reach. I can strive towards it, but there are always things that happen outside of my grasp that are messing things up. And in this case, it was the fact, and I think I shared this also in my regular podcast, that uh, I had planned to do another travel series about China, and then because of the coronavirus, basically, I can't do that right now. I will just have to save that material for a later date when this whole pandemic is over. Um, and 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 I have to create another three episodes, um, which will require a lot of time. What I'm going to try to do is to outsource the editing to uh, to uh, to other editors. It will cost me more, but uh, at least I will prevent myself from working another month on just TV work. Um, I've I did put together. Um, the voiceover text for the translators. Someone, uh, one of my listeners, has volunteered to translate one episode for free for me. And so, if I can see if that works, then hopefully I want to create this 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 workflow, and I hopefully I'll be able to to establish that soon, where I produce an episode for TV, I re-edit it for an international audience because trying to record also English language stuff and so and I have to do a re-edit I can't do a, a like a one-on-one copy of the TV show so I'll do a re-edit and then I'll but I'll still the, the basic story will be the same I can take the voiceover texts that I wrote for the TV episode have them translated add the you know the extra material to it and then deliver a documentary uh, so that's currently what I'm what what I but I I had hoped to be able to deliver the first documentary episode in January. And, uh, well, that didn't work out. Now it's already, we're halfway through February, so I hope that by the end of February I can still deliver at least one international episode. I'm going to start with Ireland, because that's where I have the most um, extra material that I filmed for, already knowing that I wanted to create an international version of that documentary, so... Um, and then af- after that, I think I'm going to do the Scottish episodes, and then maybe after that, I will show you Australia and New Zealand. Still thinking that maybe with New Zealand, I'll have to create a separate episode just about Tolkien. On the other hand, maybe I'm just trying to do too much, and the story as it is, I think, works very well for an international audience as well. I'm getting a lot of of feedback on these travel episodes. People really enjoy it and love the content. So, um, yeah, maybe I should just uh, translate that and that, that'll that be good enough. Uh, is there anything else I need to share with you other than that um, I want to go home and cook because <laughs> I'm hungry? No, maybe not. So we're going to just wrap things up here. And uh, I just want to thank you again for being a sponsor. And... Uh, Take a look at those tiers. If you're a longtime patron, you may want to switch tiers because I've changed them a little bit. And from 25 euros or do- no dollars, I think it's all in dollars, you you will get credits in those documentaries. So you'll be in the credit roll. And I'm also going to integrate uh, the names of those that have supported me in the past on higher levels and higher tiers um, so that... You know, they, they basically are legacy uh, do, do, donors, or how you call it, 
legacy supporters, and I want to credit them too for helping me get to the point where I can do these international productions. So if you were unable to continue at a certain level on Patreon, because life, because your financial situation may have changed, I still want to credit these people as well for their for their help and their support. I'll keep you updated, of course, on, on the Patreon website itself. All right, let's turn off this annoying jingle. I need really need to change the music. And uh, let me wish you a wonderful day. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk soon.